Uh, well, last week, the reason we're doing this is because last week uh, we talked about Jesus and his conversation on greatness. And if you were here, we discovered that Jesus said, servants are the greatest. So we ended our gathering asking the Holy Spirit to identify the things. Holy Spirit, what is it that needs to be reshaped so that I will live a servant-like life, a great life? And, and we ended by asking the Holy Spirit to guide us. Where do we need to start? Where, where does it begin? And if you want to live a great life this year, Jesus says it comes in service. But the question is, how do we get launched in that direction? If you really want to know what God has for you, how do you know where to begin? So I thought we'd just step back and we would look throughout the scriptures, we'll look in the Old Testament, we'll look in the New Testament on how God leads people. Do you know it's God's design to lead you in the very direction that he's already preparing you for? He wants you to know exactly what to do, how to do it, how to live your life. You, you shouldn't, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, walk aimlessly. That's not God's plan for you. Rather, God chooses to guide his people from where they're starting to the place that he's mapped out for them. We see it, especially in the lives of people. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you'll find the majority of the Bible is in a form called narrative. Now, you do find poetry in the Bible. You do find wisdom literature in the Bible. Most of the Bible, though, if you look at it, it's stories. It's narratives. And why does God give us the Bible that way? I think it's because most often I can identify with the activity of someone else's life. God could have just said, do this, don't do that, end a story, three pages, memorize it, and live. But he didn't. Rather, God chose to give us the real life stories of people and how God interacted with them so that when I see what he did with them and through them, I can apply what makes sense to my own world. So tonight, we want to read a bunch of narratives, stories of what happened in the lives of a community called Israel. We're sunset. Well, we're jumping back to a group of people in the ancient days called Israel. God loved this people, called this people, and decided to guide them. Exodus 13, we're jumping way in the middle of their history, but it will make sense. Verse 17. When Pharaoh, uh, when Pharaoh let the people go, so they're in Egypt, they're slaves, and God delivers them through Moses, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Let's just pause for a second. So, so this group of people loved by God found themselves in a horrible place, slaves in Egypt, and at the right time, God promised to deliver them, and he made true on his promise. He sent Moses in, and this Egyptian leader, Pharaoh, lets them go. And says God led them on a route that was longer rather than taking the short route. That's interesting. Verse 18, so God led the people around by the desert road towards the sea, and the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Just a couple of observations here. If you think about your life, sometimes God takes you on the long route. This is encouraging. When you look at Israel, the shorter route made sense, but God knew what they may do. If they went the shorter route and faced opposition early on, they may have changed their minds, went back to Egypt, and missed on all that God had for them. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you're saying like, God, why is it taking so long? Right? Right? 
Those of you who are single and you're here, you're like, your heart's desire to be in a long-term relationship. You say, God, where is that guy? God, where is that lady? You're married and you're wanting children. God, how come we can't? You're, you're, you've graduated. You've got school loans like stacked to the ceiling. Like, Lord, I want a little bit more than minimum wage. You know, like we all find ourselves sometimes asking God, why are you taking me on this road? I just need to remind you, part of God's working Part of God's plan is he knows your heart and what you might do. And so you need to know if you choose to follow Jesus, you don't always get the short path. Sometimes God takes you on the slow road, but notice this and hear me clearly. God went in front of them. Jump, jump down to verse 20. After leaving Succoth, they camped to eat them on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Listen to this. So they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud nor by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Just, I, I just want to see this foundation. We're going to build on it that God takes people on the right road. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in your world. Don't, don't get confused by God's seeming absence or the strange pickle you find yourself in. God will lead you. And you need to know that God will lead by going in front of you. He takes, he takes this mysterious thing, a cloud. Never seen, like, no group in all of history has ever been led by anyone this way. God takes a cloud and he goes before them and he moves. The, the cloud, they, have you ever seen God? No, like in the way I, I see you right now, but they saw God's leading in a visible way. And at night, that cloud was somehow, ever just look at night when the sun's about to set and you see pink like on the clouds or it looks like the clouds are on fire. Somehow at night, this, this directive force was visible. This is utterly amazing. God leads and God leads by going in front. Okay, turn to the right, Exodus 40. I promised you six uh, passages. That's one. I had to go. Exodus 40 to the right. And the end of the Exodus is the story of them leaving slavery and being set free by God. Well, I just want us to look at the last words on this book that gives the account of God's people being led by God. And it's a beautiful end. It's the same story. But now with a few interesting details. Uh, Exodus 40, all the way at the end, verse 34. I think most of us got it. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Let me just pause for a second. God, while they were going around, he told Moses, I want you to create a spot where people could come and worship me. And it's going to be in a tent. They're traveling around. Eventually, it would be the temple, a permanent place, but a place where I can be with you. And so he gave them exact instructions. You read the end of Exodus, exactly the material to use, the color scheme, down to the nitty-gritty details. God lets them know, this is, this is my spot to meet with you. Now, when they finished doing that, the Lord filled the tabernacle, verse 35. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory, the presence of the Lord filled this like this tent, this physical structure. Imagine us here and suddenly 
there is something that we could see and there's a sense of awe because God is with them. Verse 36, in all the travels of the Israelites, this is a summary statement, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So, summary statement, the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during their travels. So what do we see? God's leading, God's God's speaking to his people, God's in front of them, they could see it. And now we see specifically how it happened. Not only was there just this random cloud in the distance that people were chasing after, no, no, no. How did God do this? Right in the middle of the hundreds of thousands to millions of people, we don't know a precise number, that are traveling through, right in the middle, he says, create space. And God comes by cloud, and, and he, he comes over that place. So everyone knows, Moses, this is the place where I'm going to meet with my people. So not a random God sighting. It's very specific. God comes, and, he, and, and he's with them, and they stop. And then God, at the right time, lifts the cloud, moves up off of the tent, and, and it goes on, and then the people march on, and God goes in front of them, and then the cloud stops. I, I just want us to see that God is not leading his people out from a distance. This is huge. This is what saying. Jose, you say I follow Jesus, I'm going to start seeing clouds. No, 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 no. Calm down. What I do want us to see is, as God has led his people, so God will lead his people, and the specifics of the circumstances change, I want us to see the pattern of God. If you, this year, want to be a servant, you want to be great in the kingdom, you want to do what God wants you to do, here's what I want you to remember, that God, if you choose to follow him, he will lead you. So the cloud moves up and they move and the cloud goes down and they stop. And there can be for you an interaction with God that is real and day by day and you could know what God has for you and you could go when God says go and stop when God says stop. You can be led by God. It's a choice. Now, am I saying that everyone who chooses to follow Jesus experiences God's leading in the same way? No, Am I saying that everyone who chooses to follow Jesus always follows God perfectly? No, because if you read the rest of all of the narratives, Israel jacks it up all the time. They mess it up all the time. But all I want us to see tonight is that God is with the people in the middle, and then when he moves, his people know his leading, and they move with him. Wouldn't it be beautiful if this year you and I experienced that rhythm that rhythm of seeing God open some opportunity, the rhythm of us saying, wow, I think this is God's leading, us taking the steps of faith and seeing God move and bless and lives change, and then God opens another door and we move in that direction. That's the kind of rhythm of a great community. That's the rhythm of a great family. That's the rhythm of a great follower is that we listen, we see, we observe where God is working and we jump into the flow of what God is already doing. God moves, then we move. Now, let's go to the right to Numbers chapter 9. It's after the book of letters. Letters and numbers and then symbols. It's a joke. It's a joke, people. It's after Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Go buy that. I'm confused by that. And go to Numbers. Numbers 9. 
Again, we're just, we're looking big picture. I'm reading the same story three times. But, you know, we see this moving of God, this cloud, this fire, this guidance, it shows up all throughout the Hebrew scriptures because this was one of the most amazing ways that God chose to be with his people. So I want us to glean as much as we can to see how God might be leading you. Now, Numbers 9 is the same story told with a different perspective, and with a different perspective, we get a little more information. So Numbers 9, and we'll start in verse 15. On the day of the tabernacle, and now now he explains that, the tent of the covenant law was set up, the cloud covered it. And from evening till morning, the cloud uh, above the tabernacle looked like fire. So let me just pause for a second. What do we gain? Now he says, the tabernacle tent of the covenant law. So what is in the center of this place where God dwells? Interestingly enough, right in the middle of it is an ark. Right in the middle of the ark are the tablets where Moses received God's law. Now some of you are saying, where are you going with this? Let's pull it together. God chose to be present in a place. Where is he present? You're going to love this. He is present where his very written word is. Right where the law is, in the middle of it, that's where. So God's leading is never in contradiction. Hear this, to what he has already said. So you want to know the leading of God. This is not mystical. It's not cloud and fire and smoke. Wherever you see what God has said and you move your life in the activity of what God has said, you're experiencing the presence of God and the leading of God. This is not melodramatic necessarily. Sometimes God comes in powerful ways, and I appreciate that. But that's not the everyday life for everyone. But if you are willing to open your mind to what God has clearly said, then you can know that God is never going to contradict what he's already said. You can know the leading of God all year long. You want to know how? This is so, so crazy simple. When you wake up in the morning, brew really strong coffee. There is no room in the kingdom of God for weak sauce. (laughs) If you're going to drink coffee, do not go light roast, go dark roast. Come on, people. But when you do that, don't, don't pick up your app on your phone. Don't open BBC or CNN or Fox. Open the word of God. You start your day in the, just open it up and systematically, this is going to sound so dry, systematically, that means start on page one and move to page two. Read through what God has already said. So many followers of Jesus that I meet find themselves in trouble, find themselves confused, find themselves wondering, God, where are you? All I ask is, what have you been reading? That's, so if you come to me asking, I'll say, I'm struggling, I don't know what to do. I, I will ask you, first question, what have you been reading? And nine times out of ten, mark it, my friend. That good, godly person has somehow slipped in their time in the Scriptures. Now, I'm not saying if you read the Bible every day, you'll never be confused. I'm not saying you'll never have seasons where you really press in and you don't, you don't seem to see anything, hear anything. But I am telling you, if you start every day in the Scriptures, asking and pleading with God to speak to you where He's already spoken, they will make a huge difference in your world. You want to be led by God this year? Open the book. Read it. Think about it. 
study it, ask questions, find people who've been reading it longer and say, this doesn't make sense. Will you help me? Take a house of learning class. You need to take the initiative because as long as the people were away from the tabernacle, the tent, the place where God was meeting, they were confused. But when they were in a position when they saw God at work, they had clear direction. So, so I, that, was, I, that was free. None of that I anticipated saying. That was a bonus. Maybe it was for you. Verse 16. So uh, that's how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Verse 17. Whenever the cloud lifted above the tent, the Israelites set out. Sound familiar? Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. Sound familiar? It's the same story. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out. At his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time. So now it gets interesting. A long time. The Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. And when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. When it lifted, they would set out. How many times, I mean, can you repeat yourself anymore? Do you think that the writer is trying to make a point? I think so. What's his point? Verse 23, at the Lord's command, they encamped. At the Lord's command, they set out. So he finally gets to the point. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with the command through Moses. The Lord's order. They what? Obeyed the Lord's order at the command through Moses. They obeyed the Lord's order at his command through who? Through Moses. I want to see three things. From all these, what can we boil this down to? We'll throw it on the screen for you writers. Three things. How did God lead Israel? His words. That is, his law was in the tabernacle. How did he lead them? His presence. He was not just, here's what you do, good luck. He was actually there. Right in the middle of them. And then his leaders, Moses and Aaron. You take out one of these three, you may miss a part of it. How does God lead his loving people? He gives them words to follow. He gives them his presence. And then he gives them people. So it's not just, hey, yo, Joseph or, or Joshua or whoever, good luck, go follow me. Never. Not one of these instances is talking about a person. It's always talking about the people. So what does that tell me? Is that God is always leading his people together. So if I want to know how God's going to lead me, I need to look to his law, I need to search for his presence, and I need to look around me because chances are God's put some people in your world who have the spirit, who love Jesus Christ, who know the scriptures, and who could be used by God to shape you, guide you, correct you, punch you upside the head, whatever it takes. When you are wondering what to do this year, look to the scriptures, look for the presence of God, and look to the people of God to get you there. That's what we see. Now, do we see this in the life beyond Israel? And I just took you to Israel going through the wilderness. I didn't, and I'm not going to take you through them getting into the land and then having priests and kings 
Point is, throughout the early story, God is leading his people directly through the word, through his presence, and through other people. Now jump to the New Testament. Go to the right. I know this is a lot. Hang in there. Got three more. Three down. Halfway. John 14. We'll go to the Gospels, and I just want us to see, are, are there patterns that we see in the early part of the story and in the later part of the story? And I think this is one example where we're going to see it pulled together in the life of Jesus. So, question for us, that's how God led Israel. Is there a difference? How does God lead through Jesus? How does Jesus lead his disciples? John 14, and we'll start in verse 15. John 14, 15. If you love me, do what? Keep my commands. Commands aren't just generic words. The commands, if you look at that word throughout the New Testament, in the Gospels, almost always is someone referring to the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the Scriptures. So if you love me, keep the Scriptures. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. This is beautiful. For he lives with you and will be in you. So you have, how does God lead Israel? He leads them through his written word. So Jesus says, if you love me, speaking of himself, sent from the Father, if you love God, keep the commandments. You want to be led by God? Follow the commandments. But then he says, and I'm going to send you the spirit of truth who will be in you and with you. 2 Corinthians 6.16, we don't have time for it, says that you and I, we are the temple of the living God. You want to know the difference between God leading Moses, uh, leading the people in Israel and the desert and the time of Jesus? It's we get the same presence, but now it's even more personal. The Spirit of God would come upon the tabernacle and then move on. Now, Jesus says, and this is glorious, don't you forget this. It's not like God just leading you from a distance. He says, if you choose to follow me, you love my commands. I'm going to give you my spirit, my spirit, the presence of God will be with you and will be in you. So now you don't have to wait to go to a tabernacle or a temple or a building. Wherever you are, the presence of God is right there to lead you. Right there. This is, this is mind-blowing. Israel had to wait to see from a distance where God would come down. And now Jesus says, it's better. You will have my spirit in you. You and I are living temples, so to speak, and we house the presence of God. This is, this is confusing, mind-blowing, and if it happens to be true, should set you free. Whenever you are struggling with what to do, where to go, how, how to figure something out, you don't have to wait, oh, on Sunday, I hope, at sunset, there'll be something for me. You can call on the living God because Jesus said, I've given you my spirit. You can ask. You can know. You can experience my leading, my guiding moment by moment. Now let's just jump down to verse 23. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. There again, follow the scriptures. My father will love them, will come to them and make our home with them. 
Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Now, this is, this is, the, this is the other side of the equation. So Jesus is saying, not everyone who has the scriptures is going to obey them. So you and I, when we think about God's leading, we have a choice. We're called to know what God has said, and I hope you're growing in that, and then we're called to obey what God has said. These words you hear from me are not from my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this, verse 25, I spoke while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, in light of that, what can Jesus say? Peace, verse 27. I leave with you my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Fear is a real thing, isn't it? And when you're in Israel and you're out there in the desert and you have little experience, little weaponry, no little cash, so to speak, and you've never gone this way before, the tendency is to be afraid. Then there's nothing wrong with fear as long as it's in your back pocket. If you have the Holy Spirit, am I going to be afraid at times? Sure, fear is real. I can't get rid of it. I can't have the absence of fear. Fear will always present itself to me, but fear's proper place is in your back pocket, not in front, not blinding you to what God is doing, not guiding you, not dominating you. Fear is real, but if you know Jesus and you've been given the Holy Spirit, you have absolutely nothing to fear because God gives you his presence by his Spirit, and if you have his presence, you have peace. And so you may go through hard times. You may go through times of not knowing, but you have absolutely nothing to be earth-shatteringly afraid of. You have the Spirit. Therefore, you can have God's peace. Now, before we think about, well, what does that mean for me? How does this work out? Okay, so God led his people, and Jesus seems to be saying the same thing. Like, watch out, because I could kill you with this microphone. This always seems to happen at an important point. Who would have thought? Anyway, but how does God do this in the life of the church? So if Israel is led by God, and now Jesus is saying, I'm going to lead my followers this way, do we see this in, in the leading of God's people? We do. Turn to the right. Acts chapter 13. We're almost done, and we're almost ready to pray that God would lead you. But I want you to see this. This is good. Acts 13, I want to look at just two occasions of many. I had to cut this down for your own sake. But I could take you to many more. Two spots where the community of people don't know what to do, and we're going to watch how God leads them. Acts 13, we'll look at verse 1. It says, uh, at the end of chapter 12, when Barnabas and Saul finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem. So, Barnabas and Saul are serving God. They take a gift to Jerusalem from the church at Antioch. They're following God's leading, and now they come back to their home community. Verse 1. Now the church at Antioch there, in, at the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping and fasting... The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 
So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down for Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus and they go on. And, and this begins one of Paul's most effective church planting missions. What had happened? Uh, Barnabas and Saul are, are following God's leading. The church sent them to Jerusalem because Jerusalem church was suffering financially. They took up an offering. They send these boys down and say, help the church. Great. They come back and they're worshiping. And they're fasting and they're praying. They're spending time with the Lord. That's what the tabernacle was about. It was a place to get away and to, to seek God. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, you'll be intimately where I am. The tabernacles where the scriptures were. And so Jesus is saying, fall in love with me, what I've said and who I am. And now the guys are doing this. And and miraculously within, it doesn't give us the details, but they're in the middle of just gathering, praying, seeking God, and God, it says, speaks to them. The Spirit speaks, set apart these two. I've got something for them. So what do they do? They fast and pray again. So they, after fasting and praying again, they, they, they see these men, and somehow in the middle of their community, God gives specific direction for two of them, and then the church supports them and says, we see God at work in you. We recognize it. And so uh, Luke tells us in the book of Acts that the, sp the Spirit, having sent them off, they begin this preaching mission. I just want us to see that that rhythm of a group of people seeking God and then the Holy Spirit. Remember the cloud. See the parallels. The cloud gets up and moves and then the people move. So here we see it and Jesus, risen from the dead, sending his spirit, it's as normal for them to have direction as for a group of them to get together, seek God, fast, pray, and hear from God together, and then act on it. It is the same thing as Israel moving in the wilderness. The details are different, but the experience, my friend, is the same. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying this year, if you would pursue God, because he's God. And, and really, not just flippantly, occasionally, mark this year out. This is the year I'm really going to go for it. I'm going to seek the Lord. What you will find is at the right time, in God's own way, God will communicate. Uh, a group of us, um, there are leaders in all three of the churches. Here, Bridgetown West Side, there are elders, leaders. So there's a representative group that leads the larger movement. I happen to be one of those elders, and Tony Vitasich is one of them. And this just Thursday, uh, we got together for a day, and representatives from all three churches got together and went away to the edge of the city in the woods in a little home just to seek the Lord for you for the coming year. And let me tell you, at one point we just broke up and said, everyone just go on their own little walk and just listen and come back and let's share what God has been saying. And it was I wish you were there. I wish you would have recorded it because in just a little bit of time of being together and praying and going off, coming back, it seemed as if God was saying to multiple people similar things and then we began to open the scriptures and look at it and, and by the end of that time, it was very clear that we kind of have a sense of what God is saying to our community this year. What would have happened 
if we say, well, Thursday, let's write some more emails. Well, Thursday, I'm busy because I do this and that. What would happen if we say like, ah, you know, we kind of know the plan for the church. This is what's important. This is what we do. As leaders, we just want to model out what every believer is called to. Take the time to stop and get with other godly people that you know and love and seek God because he's worth it. And when you do, my friend, you will hear. So what we're doing is um, the group of elders from Sunset, all of us here, we're getting away for a weekend this coming Friday and Saturday. Would you pray, please? Pray this Friday and Saturday. As we've kind of heard big picture, now we want to apply it to our community. What does it mean for us as leaders in this church? And we're going to seek God for your good. Not for you, as if God speak to us and then you just do what we say. No. But as community leaders, we want to do what you're called to do. And that is to seek God for the good of your spouse, for the good of your family, for the good of your business. This is the rhythm of God, my friends, that you and I have the scriptures, we have the spirit, and we have leaders. Notice, in Antioch, there are prophets, right? There are prophets and teachers. So God does use leaders. So you want to know, and this is going to sound, um, this is going to sound prideful, but it's not. Do you want to know part of God's will for your life this year? If, and I'm making a big statement here, if you've chosen to make Sunset your home community, if you said, this is where God has put me, this is where I come under authority, this is where I want to be known, wherever God leads us as a community, He is leading you. That sounds very un-American, right? Because don't I order my coffee my own way? Who are you to tell me, black, straight up, no sugar, little espresso, a little bit of hot water to kill the acid, and sip? Who are you to tell me? I'm a triple shot vanilla latte with heavy foam. Don't, don't tell me that. No, I'm not trying to say it's my job to say what God wants you to do. No, no, no. But I am saying some of us have lost sight of the, the need for the local church. We need the local church because God's put you in a community to use you. So that what God has put in your life is useful for everyone else and for the community we're called to serve. So if you have chosen to make Sunset your home, hear this. When we begin to share what God is stirring us to do, it's your responsibility to go before the Lord and say, God, if this is where you're leading my community, what is my responsibility? What is my piece of the pie? What is my joy? What are you calling me to serve? We lose the art of that in a culture that says, you do what you want to do, you do what you want to do, I'll do what I want to do, and we all just follow Jesus by ourselves. Let me tell you, my friend, I'm going to say this as lovingly as I can. If you try to follow Jesus by yourself, you will destroy your faith. You'll absolutely destroy your faith. You pull yourself out of a local community, out of a local church. Some of you, you've been burned by church, you've had negative experiences, and hear me, I don't blame you for hating the church. But Jesus is the head of the church. So you can't say you love God and hate Jesus. You can't. Now, people may have burned you, and I pray that God will give you the grace to forgive them. And people have maybe spoken things against you that were untrue, and that rubbed you wrong, and I pray that God, by his grace, would give you forgiveness. But I am saying, you and I 
We need each other. We need the church, not as the institution, but as the people of God with the Spirit of God holding the Word of God on the mission of God. We need each other. So I pray that part of God's will for you this year is that you'll be connected more deeply in what God's doing through the church. Now, I promise you six texts. I'm down to the last one, okay? Uh, Last one, and let's look at Acts chapter 16, and we'll bring it to a head. You all right? All right, one more, one more. I was going to go for two more, be godly, and go seven, but some of you I've already offended. All right, Acts 16, verse 6. And, and this really, this, this pulls it to many of our experience. Acts 16, 6. Paul and his companions traveled out the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept, this is interesting, by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So Paul and his crew want to go to a town, want to go to an area, and the Spirit is stopping them. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia, went down to Troash, and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, and listen to this, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Sometimes when you're trying to pursue God, it seems like you're hitting a brick wall. And the other, the other stories seem pretty cool. God comes, leads them. But what happens when you're in Paul's situation? He doesn't know what to do because he's trying to go and preach and he's getting resistance. He's trying to go preach and he's getting resistance. And finally, the Spirit of God speaks to Paul and his companions through a vision and he sees another area in the opposite direction And at the end of that, they conclude, oh, wow, I thought God was leading us here. I tried to go here. I got kicked back going here. I kept trying to go here. And finally, God got through my thick skull. Here is not where I want you, Paul. Turns out that little turn ends up Paul going to Europe. And a mission to Europe is started that we are still feeling the effects of today. One little move by God sends the right crew in the right direction and a whole new explosion of the gospel of Jesus in an area that had yet to be reached. What am I saying? I'm saying you see the same thing. These are men and women with the word of God. They're seeking the spirit of God and together God speaks to the community and they go in the direction. I get that on the practical level. My wife and I, we've moved a lot. I've talked about it. And when we just got out of school, we ended up meeting a guy named Luis Palau. And God opened the door for us to serve with him in a town called Tyler, Texas. More humidity than God ever should have created in one physical location. How did we know to go there? This is very, I was dying to work for Luis Palau, just dying to serve with this guy. And his son, Kevin, said, do you want to go to Tyler, Texas? I said, yes! I, my heart was there, and I said yes, and we went. And we didn't know what the next thing was for us. It was just a five-month commitment. And we were praying, seeking God, God, what do you want is next? And then they were going to Chicago, and they said, hey, do you guys want to move to Chicago and serve there? And it seemed right, and we said, yes, we moved to Chicago. And at the end of Chicago, do you want to 
uh, there's a place called Kansas City having a mission. Do you want to move there? And, and we said, yes. And yet in our soul, we felt like, I don't think we're going to keep moving around. And then they're like, hey, do you want to move to Portland and stop moving from city to city? Like, oh, wow, that seems like God's leading. And then we, we did that. And, and, then, and then God led me to, to leave Luis Palau team and start our own outreach team. And I could go through the details, but it was God using multiple people, the scriptures, time in his presence, and made clear to us, it's time to step out. And we did. And saw God at work. And then out of left field, I got a call from a guy who wanted us to go to Colorado Springs, out of left field. And I said, are you crazy? No way. And my wife and I just went to pray. And in, in prayer, we realized, okay, if this guy says one, two, three, four, five, which there's no possible way he would say one, two, three, four, five. Like, we don't think this is of you, but God, we know one, two, three, four, five is what you've called us to do. And if he says one, two, three, four, five, and we met at a Cracker Barrel north of Charlotte, North Carolina, and this dude who had no idea said one, two, three, four, five. And I remember being in the parking lot looking at the car, and I'm like, oh, shoot, like, we owned a home here in Hillsboro. I got on the phone with our agent and we put our house up for sale immediately. Like that day. Because God had spoken through community people. We end up living in Charlotte later on and God opens the door to move back here. What I'm saying is the road for you is not short and straight. God's plan for you sometimes involves circles, detours, left turns, right turns, hills to climb, valleys to endure. God's road for you is beautiful. But here's what you need to know. If you seek him, God will lead you. God's spirit will be with you. And if you hang on to the community, the people of God, you will be protected from personal stupidity. And I know that's God's plan for your life. So what am I saying? I'm saying read your Bible like never before this year. What am I saying? I'm saying seek God, ask the Spirit, join, gather, pray, fast. Do what you don't want to do in your flesh, right? Because in our flesh, we want to watch TV. But in my soul, I know I need to seek God. And then, don't neglect the local church. Don't neglect the people of God. Find your spot here and serve. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that what you're doing is good. I thank you that what you're teaching us is just right. So now, Holy Spirit of God, we just invite you to apply this to every family here, every person here, every circumstance here. God, we want to be led by you this year. We want to follow you all the way. We want to know your voice. We want to hear it. We want to obey it, even though it seems strange at times. We want to go the way of Jesus. Today, will you begin to lead us like never before? Spirit of God, will you move here, now, even as we worship you, as we take the bread and the cup, as we pray, as we seek you, will you answer the questions that are deep within our souls, even tonight. We ask this not for our own sake, but because as your children, we want to follow you now. In Jesus' name.
Amen.